Man, it's great to be with you guys today. What an awesome church. Man, I just want to say this. I love the vision of, of Summit Church. You guys have an absolutely incredible vision. You need to give yourself a hand. Amen. Come on. Give yourself a big hand. Thank God for what you're doing, the impact you're making, the lives that's being touched. How many of you appreciate the vision of your pastor? Uh, how many of you appreciate? Come on, let's give it up for him if you appreciate. Pastor JP and Melissa, man, they, they have an incredible vision. They have a, an incredible vision not only for you but for their community, and I thank God for that because I really believe that uh, the Lord's going to do something absolutely incredible uh, in, in your church in the days to come. So, I felt like that, uh, that, that the Lord gave me a different word as I was sitting here in the worship team. We're singing, and I'm going to share that maybe at the very end if that's okay. But I felt like he, he, he gave me something specific for, for you today, for, for your church. And, uh, but I want to say a, a big thank you for Don and Sue Denton. And they are the, the friends that introduced your pastor, J.P. and Melissa, to Connie and myself. So, so I really appreciate those guys. And, and I, I would like to ask my wife, Connie, if she would stand. Uh, we've been together since we're 15 years old. She puts up with me all the time. Come on, give it up for Connie. And, 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 and also, if you would, we have an incredible team that's, that's traveling with us. Come on, you guys would. Lisa Lipsy, Devin Lipsy, Thomas Pickens, Ashley Pickens. Man, these the, these are incredible people. We love them so much and, and appreciate uh, the, all that they do. I want to go straight into the message right now. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're, we're going we're to title the message today, Do Unto Others. Do Unto Others. We know that is the golden rule. We've heard that since we were children. We've been taught the importance of doing unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Now, this passage was spoken uh, during the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave five discourses in the book of Matthew. It was the first discourse. It was the longest discourse. He talked about things like the Beatitudes, uh, the Lord's Prayer, loving your enemy, uh, talked about not to judge others. But today I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And let's take a look at this, this particular verse. He said this. He said, so in everything, say everything. He said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And then, and then he, he summed it up with this. He said, that for this sums up the law and, and the prophets. So this verse is absolutely profound. He's basically saying, treat people the way you want to be treated. How many of you believe we need to see that in our world today? People just treating others the way that, that we... Yeah. So, so early in Jesus' ministry, as he was talking to the disciples, uh, he talked a little bit about the law. He addressed it. And I want you to look at Matthew 5, 17. Uh, here's what he said. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He said, I have not come to abolish them, but what? But to fulfill them. The first point that I want to touch on this morning is love is the fulfillment of the law. Can I hear an amen if you believe that? Love is the fulfillment of the law. 613 commands in the Old Testament, and Jesus basically summed it up into two. He said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love who? your neighbor as yourself or others as yourself. Look at Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 10. He said, love does no harm to neighbors. Therefore, love is what? The fulfillment of the law. So today, if you were wanting to sum up the entire Old Covenant, uh, it would be all based on, on love. And, and so if there's ever a time that our nation uh, should take this verse and live by it, it's the day and hour we live in. Amen? I mean... Peace would come to our cities if we could just understand this one verse out of the entire Sermon on the Mount. If our politicians could take this verse and live by it. Come on, somebody. Peace would come to our, come to our government. Uh, if Christians, if the church would just live by it. Uh, you know, it seems like everybody's on edge. 
Everybody, you know, whether it's social media or, in, you know, in the restaurant, it's, people are just on edge. And we need a revival of love. I mean, we absolutely need God to just absolutely pour out love uh, on us and, and in our churches. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at our second point today because... I want you to realize that as you're doing for others, as you're sowing into other people's life, that God will sow into your life. Second point I want to make today is what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. See, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. Our church is 13 years old, and we started in a school. We were there five and a half years meeting in a high school, and, uh, you know, it was temporary. Much like this building right here is temporary. And, and I, sometimes, though, the enemy would, would want us to focus where we're at, saying this is your destiny. You'll never get out of this place. And, and, and so in the school, man, if there was anybody that wanted to leave, it was me. There was nothing that looked like a church. I'm 43 years old before I started pastoring. I worked for city government for 20 years. And here God's called me to pastor, and I'm in a high school. And, and so we're trying to have church, and it's like people would come and they would go. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think we looked like a church. We definitely didn't dress like a church, and I didn't speak like a preacher. Amen? I mean, it's just, we're, you know, so as a result of that, I'm thinking, okay, we need a church. We need a building. We need something that looks like a, a church. So what happened was I started searching. Man, I was looking for a piece of property. Much like JP, I, I know that, you know, trying to find property sometimes is tough. And, and uh, you know, a place just to have church. So I started looking all over our town. We live in, in, a, in a Maryville, Tennessee. It's about 20,000 population. The county's 125,000. So it's not a big area. It's kind of rural. But I'm looking at every storefront. I'm looking for, for property. And it, it's like every door that we felt like was opening would shut. Have you ever been there in your life where you think, okay, I know this is the Lord, and then it shuts? And it's like, okay, God, maybe that wasn't you. And so I finally found it. I found 16 acres and it was prime, right there in the Smoky Mountains, right before you, you, you go into the, to the mountains. And, and so it was beautiful, and I could, I could see the church there. I mean, I was so excited. I'd take my wife out there, and we'd look at it and say, right, here's where our church is going to be. And so I found out who owned the property. It's two elderly women. Started meeting with them, talking with them, and uh, asking them to sell it. And we're trying to work it out. But then they, they were kind of back and forth. And, and, man, I started putting a high pressure on them. You know, I, wanted, I knew this was our property. But here's what happened. After a few meetings, the door closed. And I honestly, I, I, was, I was a little devastated because I knew this was it. Have you ever just knew this is God's will for something and it wasn't? Have you, have you ever been there? So, so that was kind of what it was. But I wanted to share what happened in our church. It was a very good time in our church because God said, it's time for you to slow down. It's time for you to slow down and let me drive this thing. And, and so we, we did that. He said, I want you to build 10 churches for other people, and, and then when you get some seed in the ground, come on, somebody, then you can expect God to do something special for you. But so far, you've not really done anything. You, you, you've, you, you're just expecting God to do something great, but you've not sown, sown the seed. And, and so that's what we did. We, we started calling on the church, saying God's called us uh, to, to build churches for other people. And we started doing that in places like Panama, uh, you know, Peru, and different. And, and they were small churches. They were churches that would maybe seat 50 people. But in Panama, in a village that had no church that's meeting under a tree, that was a big deal. When you provided them a roof, they had their church now. And, and, and so we started doing that. And what happened was after five and a half years, God started opening some doors. 
You see, so many times, guys, listen, it's important that we don't get frustrated in the process because through that process, God's doing something in your life. It may not feel good. It may not look good. You know, our speakers would pop, JP, Pastor JP, every single Sunday. The, the worship, by the way, you guys have an incredible worship team. Come on, let's give it up for those guys. I mean, amazing worship team. But our speakers popping and cracking. You know, everything in, in, this, in this school we're meeting. And so, so the Lord said, slow down, I'm going to teach you something. And so five and a half years, we met in this school. And we continued to just try to, to be faithful. And the Lord, the, the Lord started growing our church. As we reached out and sowed into our community, God started bringing people in. 200, 300, 400, 500. We were building a building that would seat 600 people. But before we left the school, we had already outgrown the building that we were moving into. And so we, we got with the, the architects and the engineers, and we said, we need, to, we, we need stadium seating. We need something. And so they put in a stadium seating, much, much like your church, that added about 350, 370 more seats. But, but what I wanted to say today is that God was waiting on us to do something for someone else. Amen? And when the seed was in the ground, whatsoever a man soweth, he, that shall he also reap. And so we, we saw that, and I, I want you to realize today that everything starts with a seed. Amen? You know, yesterday I had the privilege of going over at, at your new campus, at your new church. And when we walked in the door, man, I, it's a while. And, and hopefully all of you have been in there, but I, I could just see that place packed, filled up with people, multiple services, pe a harvest coming in from all directions, and I mean, needing more parking. You know, but God's going to do this. You believe that at Summit Church? God's getting ready to do something special in your community and in your town. You know, as, as Don Denton, this mutual friend of, of ours, uh, was telling me about your pastor, he said, you got to meet this guy because you got, you, you're two peas in a pod. You're very similar. You're doing, and, and, and so we started talking about outreach and recovery and, and, and all of that. And, and as we're sitting at Cracker Barrel, you know, it's like, man, you're telling the story of, of our church. I mean, we have a recovery. We have a women's home for, for women who have lost their children, a 17-bed facility. And it's designed to help those women who have lost their children into state's custody to get their kids back. They go through a process. And when they're prepared and ready to receive their children back, they're reunited with their biological mother. How many of you realize that that's important in our society today? That, that, that God... And, and so... And recovery and all of that. I was talking to Zach on your worship team, and he's telling me a little bit of his story and how he went through, you know, Big Fish Ministry, and God had delivered him, and 12 months, and he's eight months out of that and still serving in the church. And, man, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, God come to set the captive free, glory to God. And, and, and I thank God for a church that, that's interested in sowing into others. You know, when you talk about sowing into others, Zig Ziglar said this. He said, life is an echo. What you send out comes back. Have you ever sent anything out that you didn't want to come back? <laughs> have you? We all have at some point. It's like, okay, I hope that doesn't come back. When I showed up down here, I was really hoping that your pastor didn't meet me with a shotgun, okay? <laughs> but, 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 but anyway, you know, the wisest man ever said this in Proverbs eleven twenty five. He said, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be what? Whoever refreshes others, you make somebody else's life better, your life is going to be better. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You do something for somebody else, and God will do something for you. It just works that way. Whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will reap what? And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, sometime back I, I read a book uh, by Robert Morris. Anybody heard of Robert Morris, Gate, Gateway Church? I, I don't know if you've read the, the book, The Blessed Life, but if not, you need to get it. You need to order it on, on Amazon. You need to get it before this day is over. It's, it's, a, it's a book that will transform your life. And it's about sowing and reaping. And, and basically, without you know, going through the entire book, uh, he, he really got it at a young age, uh, this verse, sowing generously. I mean, he started giving cars away. And then God called him to, to give his home away. And, and he kept giving things away, but God would give it back. How many of you realize you can't outgive God? You cannot outgive God. Amen? And, and so, so my wife and I, we had a chance to go out there uh, to, to Gateway Church. And we were at a conference. We'd been out there at least once, maybe twice. But anyway, we were there. And when we pulled up on their property, it was breathtaking. It's like, wow, this, this is massive. And, and so we, we're in the conference. And the building, I mean, it seats thousands and thousands of people. He's an incredible speaker and teacher. And, and I'm thinking as, I, as I'm looking at the, at the property and, and seeing all the ministry that's taking place, I realize why it's happening. Because he learned the value of sowing into other people. And, and so as a result of that, his ministry is, is just huge. And so it's pretty incredible. So, so several years, years back, after the conference, uh, we were at church. We were meeting visitors that were visiting church for the first time. And I'll never forget a young couple that showed up one Sunday morning. And we're back in this little visitor room, very similar to the room you have in, in your new church, the glass room. And I'm talking with all of, of the people there. I'm asking them, how'd you hear about the church? Thanks for showing up today. But I remember a couple. And as I was talking to them, they, they told me, they said, hey, we're new to the area. Uh, we, we, we work in aviation. And someone told us that we should visit your church. They said, it's a, it's a large church. Uh, we would just encourage you to visit. So they're visiting, and now I ask them the question, so where are you from? We're from Texas. Now, the next question that I asked was this. I said, so did you guys attend church out in Texas? And they said, yes. I said, what church did you attend? They said, Gateway. Well, you know where my mind immediately went. Okay, they think ours is a big church, and they come from Gateway, a 40,000-member church, you know, we're sitting here with a couple thousand, and it's like immediately I'm thinking, okay, man, they are very disappointed because they're looking for a big church, and they came from Gateway. So the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said this, ask them if they ever met their pastor. I did. I said, did you ever have a chance to meet Robert Morris and, and shake his hand? Honestly, they, they nodded their head no. And I said, I'm Pastor Hepperly, pastor of Rio Revolution Church. Great to have you today. And, and they just smiled real big. You see, there's value in being small. You understand what I'm talking about? There's so much more you can do when you're smaller than you can do when you're big. And so we take advantage of every step along the way. Amen? You know, and we, we see God move. But, but anyway, third thing I want you to notice today is this. How many of you realize when you're doing good, doing good to your enemy can turn them into your ally? I mean, people that hate you, do good to them. And watch what happens. Doing good to your enemy can turn them into your ally. Dur during the, the Revolutionary War, George Washington, he insisted uh, that his soldiers treated the prisoners well. He made sure that they were treated right. Uh, every prisoner was shocked to receive such huma humane treatment. 
And, and so Washington gave orders to his lieutenant colonel, Samuel Webb, and he said this, and this is quotation, in quotation marks. He said, you are to take charge of privates of the British Army. Treat them with humanity and give them no reason to complain of our copying of the brutal example of the British Army in their treatment of our unfortunate brethren. He said, provide everything necessary for them on the road. It was very important that, that he treated his soldiers well. Now, I want you to realize, Washington, he, it wasn't that he was just a stand-up guy, but he knew that these prisoners were potentially the first citizens of the United States. He knew that there was a good possibility that one day these guys will switch sides. And, 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 and exactly the way he thought, many of them switched sides. How many of you today have switched sides? You went from being on the world side to God's side. You went, you went from being dead to, to living today. Amen. Is, there, is that not incredible? So, so Washington was forward thinking. He was realizing all the time that these people may switch sides. I want you to look at Matthew 5.44. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Romans 12.10 said this, be devoted to one another in love, honor another above yourself. So it, it, it's true that people that, that may not like you, it's the hardest thing to do, guys. You, you know that. But just loving those, uh, those, those enemies because it changes. It's very hard to hate somebody that loves you. It, it, it really is. So I want you to look at Philippians 2.3. He said this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. And, and so the, the last thing today that I want to talk about with the golden rule, the fourth point that I want you to look at is this. Ultimate love was demonstrated when God gave his son. Amen? Amen. Ultimate love. No love. Uh, it, it, God led by example. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loved me when I was a sinner, when I was lost. When I, I had no direction, I had no purpose. I, you know, life was just out of control, and God loved me so much that he sent his son and gave me an opportunity. And I, I want you to realize today, that's crazy love. That's radical love, amen? That God would love you when you were unlovable. You see, he sowed love when I was lost. He sowed love when I was unlovable. He sowed love when we were all despicable. I mean, it's it, shameful at our lowest point. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love him because he what? He first loved us. Do you understand that, that we aren't even capable of loving other people until we've experienced God's love? We, we don't even really understand what love is until we experience that. You see, I, I remember at, at 22 years old when I received Christ, there was people that I totally didn't like. I hated them. But I noticed that when Jesus came into my life and saved me, that my whole attitude and mindset changed. Why is that? Because God was transforming my heart. He was transforming my life, and he'll do that. And, and so he, he demonstrated that love. And, and so God is love. You know, the Bible says that greater love has no man than what? One would lay down his life for another. Greatest example that you could ever imagine. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, but his name's John Robert Fox. He was a young African-American, and he had a lot going for him in life. He was brilliant. He was smart. He graduated from his university second lieutenant. But World War II broke out. 
And during the war, you know, he, he took his, his position fighting the Nazis in Italy. Uh, you know, 92 Infantry was who he was with, and, and they found that it was overtaken in a battle. And many of you may be familiar with it, but as the, the infantry was retreating, this guy, John Robert Fox, stayed behind where they were at, and he, he was the radio controller. And, and so he was giving, uh, you know, information from where the enemy was at and telling, uh, you know, basically where the Germans were located. And so during this whole thing, when everybody had retreated and, and preparing uh, to take another, you know, to, to fight again, what happened was uh, John Robert Fox was telling them where to bomb, different locations, bomb here, bomb there. But then he gave a location that didn't make sense. He gave the location where he was sitting, the place where he was at. He said, bomb this place. What had happened is the Germans had surrounded him. They were all around, and now he's calling for, for the bombs to land on him. And, and they ask him, are you sure? Are you sure? There's, there must be a mistake. He said, no. He said, there, there's more around me. And, and he said, we, we need to go ahead and bomb. And that's exactly what they did. And he gave his life. But as a result of that, I want you to know that he saved many people. And, and what happened, these guys that were able to regroup, the 92nd Infantry came, came back and overtook the Germans. One person gave his life. And as a result, many were saved. Is that not what Jesus did for us? When you think about him hanging on the cross, I mean, he could have stopped that mission at any point. But he said, no, come on, bring it on. Because he loved you so much. And he didn't want that to happen. He understood by, by him dying that millions would be saved. How many of you today have been saved? Let me see your hand today. If you've experienced salvation. I mean, wow, we have so much to praise the Lord for today. And so thankful for that. Well, what I want to do right now is I want to share a word that the Lord gave me as I was sitting back here. for, And I really feel like it's for your church. Can I be obedient, Pastor, and to share this? Okay. So I felt like a specific word for Summit Church was this. Three harvests are coming to this church. Three harvests. And I want you to expect it. I want you to be looking for it, Pastor. The first harvest that he spoke to me it was a harvest of Judah. He said there's going to be worshipers. There's going to be worship leaders. There's going to be new songs that are birthed out of this ministry. And it's going to radically change not only your community, but I believe it's going to change the world. He said, get ready for the harvest of Judah is coming. You, you realize Judah went first? Worship goes first. And we can't go anywhere that worship's not being. But he said, the harvest of Judah is coming. But there's two other, other harvests. And I believe that many of you are going to be part of this harvest. The next harvest, he said, is going to be the harvest, listen to me closely, of Issachar. The Bible tells us that Issachar, now these are tribes of, of Jacob. Issachar, the Bible said, knew what time it was. And they also had the instructions of what Israel should do. They had an insight of the time. They, 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 they knew the season. They knew the climate. And they were able to give direction of what they were supposed to do. So Issachar were servants in the house. Something we were talking about yesterday when we were over at your facility and looking at your church was, was all the different, uh, you know, opportunities in ministry. And I was talking to Pastor JP, and he said this. He made this statement. I really liked it. He said, everything we need is in the house. That means people to lead ministries, people to serve in the body. And I felt like that the Lord today was saying, there's a harvest, a harvest of Issachar, a harvest of ministers that's coming out of this church. 
and you're going to serve. You guys, some of you don't even realize it yet, but God has some plans that's so much bigger than you could ever imagine that you're going to be doing works that you, you never dreamed of. It's, it's a harvest of Issachar, the third harvest. And he said there's a harvest of Zebulun, three tribes of Israel. And I felt like the Lord said it's coming to Summit Church. The harvest of Zebulun, Zebulun lived on the coast. They had the, the prime property. They had the wealth. And Zebulun funded Issachar. He funded the ministry. You see, some of you today were called to fund the ministry. Your purpose, you know, the enemy said, well, you don't do anything. No, God called you to give, just, just like this harvest of Zebulun. How many of you realize that uh, you guys have a big project going on down the street? <laughs> I say down the street. Is it down the street or is it? Okay, I'm going to make sure that was right. I get, but you have a big project going on, and it's beautiful. And it's going to be full, and there's going to be a lot of people born again in that building. There's no question. You're going to impact this community in ways that you'll never, never ever know. I, I know that. I already see it. And I'm sure you do as well. But as a result of this, it's going to require a lot of people that are coming through this harvest. Harvest of Judah, harvest of Issachar, and harvest of Zebulun. I think every single one of you fit in there somewhere today. Ministers, those who are, are called to give, and those maybe of Judah. So I, I want to ask you today to think about where am, do I fit in that? God, what is it that you want me to do? Where can I serve at a greater level? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something real quick. Is your pastor's job is the hardest job that you can ever imagine. It is. I mean, it, there's, there's not a tougher position. I was in management for 20 years for city government. We own our own business. We, we, we've got a lot of different things happening in our life. The hardest job that I've ever done, Pastor, is, is pastoring. Because there's so many, see, the enemy has a target on your back, right? So what God's called you to do is lift his hands up, lift their hands up, support them in such a way that God can bring forth this harvest. You believe that today? Yes. Are you guys ready to do that? You ready, you ready to find your place, amen? I'm going to ask you to, to stand here for just a second. I want to ask you to stand, and I want to, I want to ask you to, to bow your heads in prayer. Father, today, I feel like, God, that you've called us to love our community, to sow into our community, and, Father, to, to just really be a light. And you said, whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap. And, God, I see an incredible harvest coming to Summit Church. And I thank you, I thank you Father, that, that this harvest is going to be tremendous. God, it's, it's going to be bigger than we expected. God, there's going to be lives that are touched that we could never believe or dream of. But, Father, you're saying today that you're needing more. More servants, more worshipers, more givers. And I want you to pray right now. And ask the Lord what he's saying to you. Is God speaking to you in this moment? Maybe you're online and you're watching this today and, 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 and you know that God has a call on your life to support this ministry in a, in a profound way. Will you be obedient today? Will you allow God to, to, to work through you, to change others? I want you to think about it for a second. Are you in this building and, and you don't know Jesus? You really don't have a, an active relationship? If that's you today, I want you to realize that God loves you so much that He gave His Son so that you could be saved, so that your life could be transformed, so that you could experience this newness that we've been talking about today and singing about today. 
Man, with everybody praying, please pray for those around you. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I just, you know, I need to know Jesus. I need to experience Jesus. I need to be all in. I'm at a point in my life where I'm really not all in. But I feel like God's calling me today. With everybody praying, just hold up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. Come on. Amen. Amen. God sees your hand. Come on. Be real with him. Show God, that's me. I need to be all in today. And Father, as a result of that, God, I know you're going to do some tremendous things. Thank you, each one of you that, that raised your hand. I just want to say to you, if, if you don't know Christ today, he said if, if you will just invite him into your life, if you will believe that God gave his son and he died for you, that you can be saved today by, by believing that and accepting that and receiving that and making him Lord of your life. And if you make that decision today, I want you to make sure that you get with the pastor, one of the team members, and let them know that today you're making a shift and a change. There's another question. Everybody pray in place. There's another question I have for you. Some of you today, that, that God's calling you into a, into a ministry, to a, to a higher level of service, into a place that you've never been today. And, and in, in, this, in this 8 o'clock service, God's saying, this is the point in your life where God's shaking you up and setting you on a new course where you're going to do tremendous things. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone that he can work profound exploits through. And that's you today. Are you willing to surrender? Would you say, Pastor, I know God's been speaking to me to step up and serve at a higher level. If that's you and you just say, pray for me, Pastor. Hold up your hand. Come on across this building. Amen. Thank you. Hold up your hand. God's been speaking to me. God's been speaking to me. God's been calling me. Come on. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the, that obedience because God's going to respond. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and appreciate you. We thank you for the move that's happening right now. 